0: Hello, friends. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. This is 100% BS and it is so good to have you here. My name is Bella Solana, and I am also very, very happy to be here. If you're new to the show, thank you for being here. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out all the links listed in the show notes. So you can connect with me everywhere that I exist on the online world, Instagram, my email list, other places, and most importantly, check out the show notes so you can connect with my guest today. I'll have all his relevant links there where you can check him out, support him, etc. So my guest today is Alec Zeck. He is the founder and executive director of Health Freedom for Humanity, which is an organization that unites people from all walks of life for health freedom. Alec really is just one of the most genuine people I've ever had the honor of interacting with. Uh, I met him at, a, at the Health Freedom Symposium, which his organization hosted um, a little over a month ago. And it was just an incredible event that really brought together, as the organization states, people from all walks of life really just united under this common idea. Uh, And so it's just, it was really, really cool to speak with him for almost two hours, just totally unfiltered. It was very fun. Uh, He's also one of the most censored people on the internet, which is surprising if you you know, interact with his, interact with him, or listen to him. You'd be really surprised to find that he is that censored. He shares his story in this episode, and man, it was just really interesting. And uh, I've d- covered a lot of censorship on this show, so that was kind of fun for me to just hear about how it's so real, albeit you know, unfortunate. Um, so yeah, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to tag him on all my social channels. So if you want to go find him, go to those platforms. And yeah, if you're familiar with Alex's work, I mean, he's just incredibly outspoken about preserving people's individual rights. His approach is very rooted in love and compassion. And overall, he he speaks volumes and, and just so passionately about the importance of freedom and the importance of standing in your own freedom that is inherent to you. He really does a wonderful explanation of what that means. And that's probably one of my favorite parts of the episode was his explanation of what that means to be free. Uh, So definitely grab a pen and paper, honestly, for this episode while you listen, because the conversation was just potent and full of amazing insight and knowledge. We essentially dive deep into the individual and collective impact that COVID has had on the world and the way that it's changed so much of our lives. Uh, we kind of each share, you know, a little bit of our personal experience with it, what we've seen in the collective, what his work has taught him, um... And me as well. So yeah, and I I trust that you as the listener and as this audience here listening to this show, that you have the capacity to hear perspectives that are different from your own and to just keep an open mind when listening, you know. We um I was excited to talk to Alex specifically because I knew we were very aligned in our approach overall. And so I felt like I could just really be myself while talking to him. And because of that, the conversation is so authentic and very unfiltered and just really fun in the end. We were we were laughing uh, a good chunk of the whole thing. So it was great. And um, yeah, I'm very appreciative of all you listeners, very appreciative of Alec and his time. Please, please, please support him if you can. I'll list everything in the show notes again um, but his organization is run donate is run only on donations so anything helps and the work they're doing is truly incredible so yeah if you like this episode please do share it with a friend share it on social media spread the word and let us know what you think um, all right that's enough of me chatting so let's get to the wonderful Alec Zeck <laughs> But yeah, the other week I I love the movies. Like I used to go before COVID. I go like almost every week. Like half-price Tuesday was our thing, and <laughs> so like I'm a committed customer. Okay, so I was really mad because I've been going to this theater all the time, and they set up the tables outside. And the second we like got close, I was telling Lorenzo, I was like, "Dude, like th- it's like this uh... is the thing. It's happening." So I like ran over to. Like I like kind of we like walked back to the parking garage, and I was trying to put together like bringing up my negative test. So I like walk up to them and they're like vaccine pass, vaccine card, whatever, with like ID. And I was like, I have a negative test. Is that fine? And the you know automatically they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> and so they caught me on a night where I was like really, I I normally sometimes I think there's a time and place where you can like walk away and whatever. Yeah, but this time I was like. Just starting to be logic with them. I was like, I'm I have a test that says I don't have the thing that is so horrible that it can't be inside this building. And that's not enough. They're like, no, sorry, it has to be a vaccine test or vaccine Well, partner. and that's what's
1: so funny though, too, because like like according to their logic, again, the a person can be inside there and test positive and supposedly have the thing and it's completely fine.
0: Right. Yeah. And I felt like in that moment I knew that all these people also know deep down that it doesn't make sense. So what I realized it wasn't, I'm actually so glad this happened to me because I I felt like it was timely also too, before talking to you, because I was like, the problem is not that people, the problem is not like the tyrants, whatever you want to call it. It's that people feel so disempowered that they can't do anything and I was telling like the manager guy, there was a line forming behind me, which I was like, honestly, bring on the audience for this. And I was like telling this guy, I was like, this is, a, first of all, like, I don't think this is legal. Like you hold the power right now to let me inside. Like you're the yeah. one between me and the door. This is your yeah. choice. Yeah. And I was like, do you think that this is the right thing to do? And he was like, you know, like d- didn't didn't know what to say. And the other two people were also like very flustered. So I asked him, I was like, if the government told you tomorrow that you can't let a person who practices X, Y, Z religion into the building that you would follow it. And he was like, yes. And I realized there, I was like, I was like, okay, this is not like, he knows it's wrong, but they think that these rules and the mandates, all this bullshit is like that they have no choice in it. And that's what I've been realizing is like the problem here is people are They're just disempowered. They don't understand that they actually can make a difference. Like they actually, this is a choice. Like it really is. All
1: it would require right there is all those people who feel deep down within themselves that this is wrong to just say, I'm not doing this anymore. Like that's simple. They don't have to be belligerent. They don't have to be attacking. It's just, hey, we're not doing this anymore. You're welcome to come inside. That's all it would require.
0: Yeah. But they're just scared, I guess. Like, I mean- to be for fair, various think-
1: reasons and it's also like that like when you're operating under the shell of a company it's really easy to just pass it off to like hey i'm just i'm just doing my job and then that person can pass off like hey i'm just doing my job and even gets all the way to the top where it's like oh i'm just doing what the government tells me to do i'm sorry it's easy to pass off any responsibility onto someone else
0: yeah yeah and that's it's actually what i'm experiencing at my company right now which i'll decide later if i keep this in or not but just just cuz it's interesting and like has all been just a fascinating learning experience in like what is happening on the individual level with people and the culture and like whether it's disempowerment or if it's just some people don't care and like i don't know really what to do with that information either right but so i have like my situation is the leadership feels that the right quote unquote right thing to do is to ask people to show proof of vaccination or you have to get tested daily, which would mean like three times a week. Yeah. And at first I was like, okay, I'll think about it. Like, you know, maybe I I won't choose this as the hill, whatever. And then I thought about, I was like, I'm not going to like voluntarily make myself feel just like dehumanized and have to prove to you my wellness to come into the office and not be perceived as a threat. And it was honestly amazing experience because I had an opportunity to say like to the leadership, like, no, this is awful. I don't believe in this. I'm not participating. Thank you. I mean, it was like, I don't know. I went back and forth because I feel like people are just told, just, just put up with it here. It's okay here and there. Like, you know, you have people who are well-meaning. They don't want you to, make the wrong impression or whatever. And I'm like, but I'm not going to be like lukewarm about segregation and discrimination. Like that to me is not something to just be like, (laughs) "Mm, like, sorry, it's like kind of inconvenient, but whatever. Yeah. But like, so with the leadership, right. And I think a lot of people find this kind of relatable is like, there's people who either don't, don't have an opinion, quote unquote. So they like just, Think they're they're trying to do their best. Everyone's telling them this is what you're supposed to do. The government, the the media, the propaganda, all that stuff is telling everyone this one story, and so it feels like if you stray from it, you're gonna be disliked, or you're not gonna be a good leader, right? So it's really hard because I don't want we don't want to like evangelize people, right? We don't want to like go out and be like I know better, and so you must follow me because that's the same shit. It's the same pattern. It's the same, exactly. And so I'm I'm really curious in your experience like how you've figured out ways to speak to people who are very much of the opposite viewpoint let's say like they're very pro mandate they're very like this is the one way we have to do it this is the for sure solution to this so called pandemic like how have you found ways to either change people's minds or get them to like question what's going on? Like, how, how has that been for you?
1: Well, man, this is a loaded question, but, uh, (laughs) the first thing is seeking to understand where they're coming from, like actually trying to put yourself in their shoes, given, you know, their upbringing. And obviously you can't go there with each person to dissect like, Oh, how were you raised? Like this this, isn't that, but you can get a general sense of like the information that's been impressed upon them Um, their perceptions based on their experiences, even if, or, or if they've been so conditioned and propagandized to completely distrust and not even recognize that they have their own observations and experiences, but it's, it's seeking to understand all of that and understand like be in their shoes of why they are thinking the way that they're thinking. Right. And then it's, it's approaching them out of a position of, of love. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you either. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm approaching you out of love as you're stripping me away from my, like from my right to do X, Y, and Z. That's not how this works. Like, yes, I'm having love and understanding you are where you're at, but I'm still going to set a boundary and not allow you to impose your will upon me. Right. It's like love with, with wisdom. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in, 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 approaching those people who are so sure that their perspective is the correct perspective it's, it's that approach of seeking to understand and validating that, like, Hey, I understand where you're coming from and I can see your perspective on this, but have you thought of another one or asking those leading questions? Cause I think a lot of the people, and there's nuance to this, a lot of the people who are blindly following along with what's happening have been conditioned to completely, uh, distrust or not even, uh, not even consider their own observations or lived experiences and what that is telling them. So I really feel that if we can empower people to, to trust their own observations and experiences and begin to trust themselves again. um, And, and, in doing that, you're saying like, look, please don't blindly trust me, but I'm asking that you don't blindly trust them either. I want you to first and foremost, trust yourself, And your own discernment, your own observations, your own experiences, what that's telling you, and then take information from all sides and figure out which makes the most sense based on what you're actually experiencing. And I think, again, 99 times out of 100, um, more often, again, more often than not, I can't say 99 times out of 100 because I don't want to put an exact figure. But more often than not, people will understand like, wow, I am discounting my own observations and experiences. I have been blindly trusting. And then the last thing is how that helps shift their perspective or could help shift their perspective is that they see one side that's constantly saying, you must do this. You must blindly accept and follow what I say. You must not listen to yourself. You must not listen to people on the other side. If we can be the people that say, you must listen to both sides. You must trust yourself. You must be open. And even if you have a perspective that is diametrically opposed to us, we completely welcome you into our community with open arms. The more that we can do all of those things, the more that we can actually have an impact on the people who cannot see right now. I think I'm open to being wrong on that.
0: No, I, I am. I totally agree with that. And I've found the same thing in my experience is what tends to work and I think that's because I know for sure you, and I I would also love to to hear more about your story uh, in a bit, but when you have an experience that you change the fundamental way you look at something, for some people it's health, for other people it was realizing the media is lying to them, for other people it's realizing like politics is really a lot of theater, like there's all different things that when you can fundamentally change it because you went from one view to another you understand that the way that that happened was something that changed internally. Like it wasn't another study. It wasn't another like guru person who said like, this is how things are. You like realized it. And so, yeah. And so I, something that like, again, from own experience from, and then from other people, like family members, friends who've had those shifts, like I think that that is the solution because Again, like your the dynamic is like you said, one person is telling you you have to do this, this is a rule, this is okay, and this is not okay. And the other group person idea is like, what do you think? Like what what do you actually think is the answer? And so it's like I think people try to argue and say, like, oh, isn't one group, you know, like a pro this, anti, whatever? And it's like, no, we're literally just saying like I just want you to actually think about it. I want you to choose. I like, I want you to filter everything through your instrument here, right? There's the heart, the gut, mind, emotions, all these things that piece together. And like, I have this suspicion that if more people did that and we taught people to do that, that the norm, like the majority would be different. And that's like, yeah. a, I don't, I don't really know in the end, like what people would really think, but
1: it doesn't matter though. Cause at least they're like learning to actually think and, uh, trust their own inner faculties to, you know, form a perspective on any given thing.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And even if I always say that, even if they come to position through their own inner exploration process, if they come to a position that is diametrically opposed to mine, good. That's a good thing. We need more diversity of opinion, Mm -hmm. diversity of thought. We need opposing perspectives in order for us to all continue to grow. And the more that we can be welcoming of that, while the other side is restricting that, the more you know, people I think will come to our side. Totally. As much as I hate I hate sides, but you, you get what you. I'm saying.
0: Yes, yes, and that was actually really amazing example that I saw, uh, or the like real life example at the symposium almost a month ago. It feels like it's my life was totally altered after that in the best way. It was amazing, but um, I feel so like good to it was, dude. It was. Oh, Like I was on a high, I think still, like I, my, I went with my sister and, um, next time I'm bringing the whole family, it'll be, uh, it'll be a great gathering, (laughs) but I was just like in awe of a, this was the speakers and like the organization embodies the idea that we don't even all have to agree. Like there are people who contradicted each other in their, in their presentations or speeches. And it was awesome because it was like, yes, this is the point. Like we're all united under a very, very basic foundational principle. And that's this idea of health freedom and and the different Mm -hmm. pillars, right? It's everyone's here saying just like, I have a different idea. This person has an idea, but bottom line, like we're not forcing you to do anything. We're not going to gaslight you. Like this is about empowering you. And exactly what happens off of that is this legitimate, like, community where people do disagree and it's important that they do because that's what fosters like the innovation and the conversation and the pushing forward of new ideas. And it's not just like this vanilla, everyone's the same and like we all agree with each other because that wouldn't be the point either. Like that's not even the goal. So it's like, did you, how was, how was putting together that event in terms of like finding certain people? I know that, um, there's kind of certain like some leaders of the movement whatever you call it definitely have like different styles and I think there's a good reason why um, I think a lot of people look to you as a big leader because you have a to me you have a very calming like presence that's not the Thank furthest you. thing from belligerent and I'm fascinated by it too I actually want to talk to you about this I have a lot of Random things that I'm just so curious about, but you're good. <laughs> this is good. um because it's just interesting how someone becomes the perceived leader how how people gravitate towards a certain kind of person, and there's something there's not really a formula to it, but part of me does feel like it's the type of individual who is incredibly authentic but authentic in the sense of like you're not being rude. There's, there's a time for, for boundaries, there's a time for standing up for yourself, but it's always coming from this very, very deep rooted love, like this genuine Mm. love that you can tell when it's there, when it's not with people. So, so for the event, how did you kind of go about like finding and creating the panel and what was the goal in general of what you're trying to create?
1: So that is a good question. This is good. Cause this is my first time I'm really like reflecting on this. Um, well, <laughs> when it came to picking speakers, I literally just went with, we had a planning team and, you know, people would submit like ideas on who speakers should be, but, um, I will say in many ways, like, I don't want to say I took dictatorial control. Cause that's not the case. And I don't think anybody on the plan can be like, Alex just said we had to have these people. It was very much like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I, I, uh, had my hand in picking most of them. Um, and I just went with what felt right. There was some people that we asked that could not come. And so then we filled those in with other people. Uh, but I just, I just went with what like my gut felt I, who I should pick. And then the cooler part was like stringing together who speaks after who and who speaks first. Like I was very meticulous about like who speaks where, because I wanted that diversity of thought, but not like having one person that says something that's diametrically opposed to this person right after each other. It's, it's that like, this person speaks and then this person the day after has another perspective on what that person said. So it's like, not so obvious that it's conflicting, but it's still offering you both perspectives. Right. Um, but then string them together where it's like, you know, I put Billy DeMoss on day two when I knew people would be tired a little bit and uh, wake you up a little bit when, when, when he speaks. So I, I was very, I crafted that very intentionally. Um, but for what was your, the other part of your question, it was like,
0: Um, (laughs) I think I was like, how did you, Oh, in terms of people's different styles of like how they like, you know, speak about their, their perspective and whether or not it comes from some, like some people are a bit more like aggressive and like fiery than others. Some people kind of embody more of like the calming, like just this is what I think. And that's it.
1: I, I really just went with like my gut on that and, and picked picked who I felt should be in that spot. I think your other part, I remember the, the other part of your question too now is, was um, like, what led me to want to do this event and uh, the intention behind it. And I, for, so Jody Meshick actually was the one who approached us. Um, and she's, she's a part of our organization. She said that she, you know, Hey, we should, we should consider doing an event. And we originally said Dallas, Texas, And then something about Dallas just didn't sit right. And like the event space we had originally fell through. So we're like, hmm, how about we just do it in Kansas City? It's in the middle of the country. Like I live here. We have a few speakers who could drive here that we want, like Ben Tapper, Asia Muhammad, uh, Dr. Lee Merritt. Um, Why don't we just do it here? So we decided on Kansas City. And then the the intention for the event was to be a very solutions and community-focused event. Like that was the entire purpose of it right to although we are speaking as you know it's like a health conference which can be very boring you know can be like a very boring thing with a bunch of crusty ass old white people who wear suits and uh we (laughs) there was some of that there and that's okay we wanted to stray away from that being the thing that we want like this to be like a community building like like dancing singing but also having that empowerment but also willing to talk about really dark shit. And there was some speakers who talked about some dark ass shit, like Dr. Carrie Miday, but then also tying it into like where we're headed as humanity and, and, and sort of manifesting. And I won't even say manifesting, actually acting out um, in real time, what that looks like to be together in community of like-minded people who are also extremely diverse and where they come from, they're their culture their religion their race their socioeconomic background like people from all walks of life in one space united just under a shared belief that belief in freedom essentially just just freedom to express freedom to choose and uh i think we accomplished that i think it was it was it was really incredible to see
0: yes i it was it's interesting because going in with uh my sister on the plane right over we're like what's it going to be like? Like, what, what's going to happen? Is it going to be like just... Like, I think a lot of people were probably a little nervous because a lot of us hadn't connected with, like, you know, people in this movement, at least, who are all on the same page. And the first thing I remember was, like, oh, Like, it was just a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh, my God, we don't have to pretend. Like, we don't have to, like tiptoe and like oh like do they like are they aware that whatever you know it was like you could just come in and be yourself which was incredible and the solutions oriented piece was also I think what probably lit a fire for a lot of people for weeks afterwards is like oh there's things happening like we're gonna be okay it seems like there's a lot of hope here and that was really important is because I personally have gotten to at least before got to places where I was like, what, like, what is happening? Like, how, what am I going to do? Like, how are we supposed to continue on? Like to the point where I would, you know, be like, I don't even know if I can talk about this anymore. Like it's nothing's happening, whatever. And so to feel and see that there are people who a, are just such like pure souls, like just good hearts, like really, really good people, everyone. And it didn't matter what, like, Party label whatever like none of that was really important and so that solutions piece is important because that's missing in a lot of the conversations. It's like, okay, we we get it. Like, there's this issue, right? People are kind of obsessed with talking about just you know shit talking the problem, but it's like, what do we actually do about it? And that was really yeah. what I felt the event was about. Was like, this is actually a solution, even if just the solution was, hey, there's people who also are with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the solution in and of itself is to just not feel alone because the alone yeah. isolation is what gets people to be hopeless in the end.
1: And, you know, like such a good point because we, we did have speakers who touched on solutions, you know, like Kevin Jenkins empowerment for like, before we got kicked out, <laughs> he was a speaker that ended the first night and touching on solutions from his perspective on how to like, like stand up. And like, if we have to form parallel systems Um, and then, you know, a lot of stuff on regenerative agriculture the next day and growing your own food and crop swap, um, as an option to actually like purchase your own food. Um, the allopathic medicine panel touching on how like we're shifting out of the old paradigm and that there is some redeeming parts of allopathic medicine that we can take forward into a new paradigm. Uh, Carrie Miday touching on setting up healing centers, but all of that is talk and it's great because it is giving ideas for the future, but the solution happened there when we got kicked out of the some of the uh uh city convention center and we actually had to say okay despite being rejected by society we are not going to stop we are still going to continue being free and we're going to make it way better outside of society it was such a like strong allegory for actually what is happening right now like it is very scary i mean I got three hours of sleep that night after we got kicked out. Cause I was like, you know, I was, I had a piece of paper and I was sitting in front of my computer looking on uh, like Google maps, like trying to figure out different parks in the area, calling my brother. Who's an electronic music producer. Do you have speakers? Do you have a microphone I can borrow? Okay, cool. Can you drop it by like writing out all the different possible scenarios? Are they going to let us in? Are they not going to let us in? Are we going to be able to go get our stuff? Are we not going to like, how is this going to work? And so like, there, there's that period of, of like a, you know, uncertainty of like what this is going to look like on the back end, but I just trusted that it was all going to be well. And because we had so many people who were of, of a shared belief who had that picture in their mind of what, like, you know, we are standing for freedom and we're, we're going to create this regardless of what society says about us, regardless of what society tries to do, and I showed up that day, and our team showed up, and all the attendees showed up, and we we figured it out, and we made it way better, and we didn't skip a beat. We we're actually right on schedule somehow. That's the that's the mind blowing part. I don't know how the hell <laughs> we were still on schedule, like we were not off schedule at all. That was that was crazy, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was amazing.
0: It was honestly it was perfect because I remember also like during some people's speeches, like, their voice would echo through the buildings. And I was like, dude, this is some MLK shit. Like, this is fucking cool. And, like, made it feel even more powerful. Like, it was just, like, we we adapted. And that was the point. It was like, you're not going to, we're not going to, like, you know, be rude and, like, storm into the (laughs) convention center. We're like, you know what? Fine, we don't need you. Like we literally don't, we carried on. And that was so, so cool. It was like, yeah, dude. And just impressive also from an organization standpoint, I was like, how are these people like making this all work? It was, it was impressive. I was like, this is some pro event running shit.
1: <laughs> and it, you know, like it all just happened like fluidly. Cause we had, you know, in our minds, like, okay, the event is going to go on and it's still going to be okay. Like we had, we we're holding that in mind. There was a piece of me that was really fucking scared. I will say, especially cause I was like, oh my God, 750 people are relying on this right here. Um, how am I going to figure this out? And we, we did. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, so you're, I think one of the most heavily censored people on the internet, maybe <laughs> like I only you. know one
1: person who's been censored and deleted more than me. Who is that? Can't say his name because he he's the oh COVID nineteen. He's COVID nineteen vaccine reactions on Instagram.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Um, and he had it's it's also just crazy because uh, so so he had a, he's on his eleventh account now, eleventh or twelfth, and he uh, all his whole the whole point of his account was literally just to share screenshots of other people's testimony after they got the shot. That's it. Like people's actual personal testimonies and he's been deleted 11 times. Um, but yeah, I think aside from him, I'm the second most censored person on the, on Instagram and Facebook and what have you.
0: It is so crazy. And it's funny because I was reflecting on one of the things that I, I used to do whole episodes of this podcast on, I do like solo episodes and I would cover like censorship because I early on, starting in like November of 2019, when I first had the idea to start this show. And one of the things I want to talk about was censorship because I, it's one of those things that I just see it as such, it's such a problem, right? And it's funny because at first it wasn't happening to the degree that it was now, where now like it's almost like a joke because I can't even. Co- it's not, there's nothing to cover. It literally just happens all the time. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's funny because the thing that clued me into starting to question the COVID narrative was so it was this whole start mid-March, right? I was actually really, really scared because I, I almost didn't fly home. I was supposed to go home for a week for, for fun, for something. And the office got shut down and I almost canceled my flight home because I was like, I was like, I'm going to die. Like, this is not oh, okay. Yeah. like it was terrifying. Right. And I everyone's saying it's like a lung thing. And I had like a collapsed lung my freshman which year. Which is college. totally
1: understandable at first, which is totally yes. understandable at first. Yes.
0: Yes. When and you don't I, know
1: what's going on. Like that make them totally makes sense.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. I don't I always reflect on that. I'm like, that made sense. It was completely new. I had no idea. And yeah. like I listened to I think Joe Rogan had this guy, Michael Osterholm, I think his name or something on mm-hmm. his podcast. And this guy was like 10% of the population is going to die. Like, this is really bad. Naturally. I was like, okay, I'm, i literally need to stay home. Like this is horrible. Yep. So whatever, do the whole two weeks inside. Fine. Everyone was on board. And then I like fly back to San Diego, to stay with my boyfriend and his family. Cause I was like, I don't know when I can fly home, whatever. So it's April rolls around and people started to like piece together and share on social media. Like this isn't lining up. Like the CDC data is uh, being manipulated or like hospitals are getting an incentive to report a COVID case, like all this stuff. And I was like, that's really fucking weird. And so then I noticed that there was this YouTube video that got taken down after it had like 5 million views. And it was these hospital like doctors or something that, essentially just called the narrative into question and it got removed. And I was like, two dudes, right? Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Two dudes that worked at urgent care in, uh, someone in California. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. This was like, like one of the first things I got censored. And then I also heard that WhatsApp was limiting, um, the amount of message forwarding to stop the spread of misinformation. So I hopped on my podcast and I was like, guys, something is afoot here. And I was like, these lockdowns don't make sense. Like people were starting to say how lockdowns are causing more harm, whatever. And I was like, also the information's being censored. Like what the fuck is up with that? And this yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. April last year. And it got s- so out of hand. I mean, like literally this, I could spend hours, days collecting how much censorship there is. And it's crazy how out of hand it's gotten. And with yeah. you, it's so fascinating. I, I would love for you to talk about just like the first time you got taken down and your experience just like on that side of things to show mm-hmm. like the, this is a real thing that's happening and it's really yeah. detrimental. Like it's not in our favor.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. So um, the fir- the first time that I got deleted up to that point, I had exclusively, like exclusively shared uh, my, my posts were very data-driven at the time. And they sometimes are now too, but at the time they were very, very data-driven and I was exclusively backing up everything that I said uh, with a caption where I got the information from. And it was usually from a government database or a peer-reviewed study. And so when I got deleted the first time, first off, I was like,
0: when was that when did you get first i think it was
1: the first time was january or february i don't remember if because one of the one of the ones that that prompted my account to be to be deleted i think this was the second time i'm on my eighth account so it's it's hard to recount but i think the first time that it happened oh no the first time that it happened and this doesn't count i'm not counting this as one the first time that it happened was in like october of 2020 and it was myself, my mom, and like like eighty other accounts got deleted all at once. And then Instagram said that they made a mistake or something like that, so they reinstated a lot of us. So that was weird. And that's where again I was exclusively posting data and and studies that could be backed up by a government source, right? And uh, when I first got deleted, I thought I would be really upset because I had seen other people get deleted a little bit, like Green Med Info. I know Sayer G very well, and Green Med Info was already deleted. I thought like, wow, that really sucks. And I got the lead, and it was kind of like a weight off my shoulders. I was like, ah, I don't have to do this anymore. (laughs) So at the time too, I didn't have health freedom for humanity yet. So like, I didn't have like a, I don't want to say I have a responsibility to be involved in this space because I can all honestly just be done and go do whatever I want at any point in time. I'm allowed to do that, but I didn't have that like weight of an organization on my shoulders. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, oh, this is great. I can go do whatever I want. (laughs) I don't have to do this anymore. Um, but I, I wasn't really upset. I wasn't, it was crazy. And I think people's response was like, wow, Alec being deleted. That is really strange. Cause even, even some of my friends who didn't agree with what I was saying saw that I was backing everything up that I said, every single thing that I said, I was backing up with the source. And that actually made a lot of them question like, wow, there's something more to this. If he's being deleted on this. And then I was reinstated and then deleted again when the guardian wrote a hit piece on me and Healthcare and him humanity. And then I've been deleted so many times ever since, but it's, it's funny. Cause I don't, I don't really think anything of it. There is times where I'm like frustrated. Cause I'm like, wow, I could, had I never been deleted the first time, let alone eight, I could be reaching 500,000 people easily with, with my, with my reach. Um, but I know that, As long as a message is continually getting out, that's what's more important. And like us being deleted and me being deleted eight times and how many people are being deleted that are, you know, essentially telling people to think for themselves and not asking for people to blindly trust them. I think I've been very clear, like, I don't want anyone, anyone to blindly trust anything that I say. I don't want anyone to outsource their power to me. Um, I think the more that people like us are deleted, that actually causes a ripple effect where people who were not speaking before, like, holy shit, this is crazy. Now I'm going to speak. So it's like where they cut off one head, they create like five more immediately. And then the other cool thing about that is with health freedom for humanity, we have so many so-called influencers. I guess that's the only (laughs) word I can think of that are part of our organization that when one of us gets deleted, all the other ones just share our new backup account immediately. And then we grow back up to a portion of where we were at before anyway. So, I mean, this, the censorship is, is, is crazy, but it's not surprising. It, what, what is crazy? This, this, when this happened and this, this is sort of a Testament to how amazing it was that we even still had the event, let alone have, you know, 750, give or take a few people at at the symposium in Kansas city was you know, up up to this point, I had been deleted five or six times, and we're talking now around August, September-ish of of this year. So like two months before the symposium, I was on my sixth account. Uh, we, are, we planned a live stream, like an IG live, like an IG live, live that's what we called it, where we had seven of our speakers being interviewed by seven other speakers from the symposium with the Health Freedom for Humanity Instagram account, who at that time had 50,000 followers or something like that, and that was our third Health Freedom for Humanity Instagram account, and five minutes before we're supposed to start the live stream, our Instagram account's deleted. Katie Dierico, who's our Deputy Executive Director... Her personal account was deleted as well because, like, her account was tied to the health frame free manny account because she was the one doing the stuff on social media. Even crazier though is her husband's account. Not even on the same device, just under the same like Wi-Fi. Her husband's account was deleted as well. My account was deleted. My mom's account was deleted. Several other people's accounts were deleted. All in that same time frame. We made a backup health frame free manny Instagram account right there because we still wanted to do the IG liveathon. Grew it to 5,000 followers in like three hours. It was deleted. And then, so then I made a backup. And later that day, YouTube deleted us, deleted Mm -hmm. Help Frame for Humanity without warning. Mm -hmm. Three days later, Eventbrite removed our event from their platform and they were holding on to $30,000. So it was like very targeted. All these entities who are supposed to not be communicating with each other, Instagram, YouTube. So that would be Facebook google and then eventbrite i don't know who owns them all deleted health Free free money in a span of three days and then you could not type in our website in a message on facebook or instagram on a post uh in a story swipe up anything like you try to post the link and it says this is a harmful link that's associated with spam or something like that and then they did that with my telegram my own personal telegram channel is a harmful link now um but then, so I made a backup account. We did not make a new, uh, health free and free man, backup account. I made a backup account grew to 25,000 in like a week was deleted again. So then I go on my telegram and, you know, the people on my telegram are generally already seeking in the same direction as me, like-minded for the most part. So I go on there and I say, you know, I, I I've always, it's always been my MO to go back to these platforms where I can reach people who cannot see where my message can be shared, but I don't know that I can anymore because I, I got deleted again. Um, actually I have to back up. So the, the, the new backup that I made, I had, uh, actually, no, hold on. I'm tr- sorry. I'm losing my train of thought on. Okay. No, 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 no. So I, I, that backup got deleted, right? The backup that had 25,000. Sorry. I'm like all over the place. That backup got deleted. I made another account, using a VPN in a new location on a new device with no identifying features, with a brand new email address, brand new email address. Right. And clicked create upon creating it. It says your account has been disabled for 30 days. So that's when I went to my telegram and I was like, you guys, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I don't know how they're figuring out. This is me. I have no clue how they're figuring out. This is me. So I I, like, I use the VPN. This this, isn't that. And I, I, I can't get back onto Instagram. Like there's no way that I can. So it's just like, it's going to be us now on Telegram. This is what I'm going to use now on Twitter somehow has never deleted me. So those were my methods of communicating. And then one of the people on that video that I made commented like, Hey, did you have your camera covered? And I was like, there's no way, like there's no way. So I did the same thing again. We're in Colorado at the time, new location on a new device, a device I've never used Instagram before on make another brand new email address. Uh, go to create an Instagram account, but I have my camera covered, right? have my camera covered up and it worked. It allowed me to create an account with my camera covered. And I thought maybe that that was a fluke. It really freaked. It didn't freak me out that bad. It was more so like, holy shit, but not like scared. Just like, wow. Like why me? Like what? I'm just some 29 year old random white dude. My wife was really freaked out. She was really, really freaked out. Um, We actually like, total fear, trauma response, got in our car and like drove two hours away and went out to eat just because we were like, are they like tracking us here? What's the deal? And they probably are. Was, I don't know. But, um, I know for sure that that is what happened because Katie, our deputy executive director, she had been trying to make her own accounts and everything, and it wasn't working for her. She was using other people's phones and somehow would figure out that it's her. So then she covered her camera using a VPN and all that, and made a new account. And she is made able to make a new personal account. And then to confirm again, and the, there, it's like the, the algorithm is not always working or something because I do have two phones now. So I have to use Instagram only on this phone. I tried to do like, v, even with the camera covered, camera cover, VPN, all that on this device to make our new help stream for humanity Instagram account. And as soon as I click create, it says account has been disabled for 30 days. So then I had to make it on this phone instead for our new health freedom free manny Instagram account. And this is the only phone that I can use Instagram with. And I have to have a VPN on all the time. I don't have to have my camera covered. I slowly have like, like almost like peeked my head up, you know, over time. Cause I would, I did a live originally with uh, Joe Yee, where I was like wearing a hat, sunglasses, and like would only show this part of my face up. Um, and I've slowly like, kind of like, is it safe? Can I be okay? I can show my face, yeah, but I have to, it has to be on this phone and it has to be with the VPN. And they do clearly have facial recognition technology, but it only works sometimes. So I don't know. So that's my censorship story. And the moral of the story is they're, (laughs) they're afraid of the message of a random 29 year old white dude, so much that they're willing to go to this level of censorship. And it's because I am just a 29-year-old random white dude who is willing to share his authentic perspe- uh, perceptions and empowering other people to do the same thing. And I'm doing it from position of love for the most part and, 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 you know, telling people to trust themselves. And that message does not, um, does not fit the narrative of a super far right-leaning Trump supporting cons- conspiracy theorist that's belligerent. Like you, you yeah. notice that not all, but, but most of the accounts that are large, and have been able to stay on these platforms. And again, that's not all. I have a lot of friends who have not had their account deleted that are not this. But most of them are coming from a political perspective, are are belligerent and attacking towards people on the other side, are um, wanting people to blindly outsource to them. And that fits the description of what the mainstream says a so-called anti-vaxxer is so of course they allow that to continue and grow on their platform anyone who does not fit that mold or any organization who does not fit that mold needs to be gone immediately they cannot be on the platform
0: it i just is- threw up all
1: over you so hopefully that made <laughs> sense
0: no it's all good i'm i'm uh, a bit familiar with i love hearing it every time because it just like re-confirms just like to me I try to think about like, okay, if someone were to ask me, what's like one thing that like really hammers it home for you that like things are not as they seem, just to put it simply, right? And I think about like your, your account and your experience with this level of censorship and knowing the type of person you are and the things you speak about, I'm like, I don't know what other conclusion to draw other than it is so dangerous to the powers that be for someone to not fit. any. like you can't there's no box, there's no label, there's no like political affiliation, there's no stereotypical like anything that they can paint you as like because you're just authentic. And when you become authentic, you don't fit into boxes anymore. And <laughs> And so it's like. I'm like, duh. Like, it's right there. Like, that is why it's so problematic is because we're literally – it's the piece that works. It's when you turn people back to themselves, they actually, like, can see through it all. Like, they see through the bullshit because they are so trusting and they understand the power that they have. And that is not profitable. You can't control people who understand that they are free. You can't Mm -hmm. make money off of healthy people. You can't – like – It all falls apart because all these systems are built on victimizing people and making them tethered to the system so that they feel like they can't survive without it. And like your message is just simply a threat to that. And it's like,
1: yeah. And and it's even more threatening because I'm not telling people to attack the system or, you know, Mm. and, and that's what they want. They want more of that like belligerence towards the system. And like, am I calling out the system? Absolutely. Absolutely. Raising awareness to all the flaws within the system. But more importantly, I'm not telling people to like attack the system or beg the system for freedom or ask the system, ask mommy and daddy government to acknowledge, like, please give me my freedom back or please see that I am healthy. I'm not doing any of that. And our organization doesn't do any of that. We say, no, no, no. With love, you are free right now. Like you are absolutely free. You are already free. You don't need to ask them for permission. You don't need to attack them. You don't need to be belligerent all it requires is literally the action that we took at the symposium. Like you said, we very easily could have focused our attention on protesting out, outside the convention center. Like, Hey, you kicked us out. You're wrong. And obviously we drew, drew attention to like, okay, they're, they are wrong, but they're not going to change. And we, you know, we're just going to turn our backs to the system, go the other way and create something new. That's more beautiful. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what, us as an organization, we are empowering people to do We're we're saying that you are already free. You are free. The freedom is inherent to who you are. Stand as freedom now. And that that doesn't fit their box. And that's too dangerous to empower people to understand that they already are, are free. So that's got to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, spot on. Um, I, I love this thing that you I, I picked it up from you, I'm pretty sure. And it was you are free by virtue of existing. And I, I love I get chills when I think about it, because I, I would actually love for you to explain what that, what does that mean? Like break it down for someone who's like, doesn't really get it or is kind of unfamiliar with even, um, maybe this can be a good segue into the concept of like oneness and just understanding that you actually are a free being. Cause I think a lot of people don't feel that at all. And there's so many layers to this and it, yeah. it
1: is so good. Cause this is my first time being able to really break this down. So there, there's, the, there's the physical version of what I'm saying and it, it, it applies there. And what I mean by that is even by their own legal definitions, codes, and statutes, even going back to what the Bill of Rights was alluding to and what the Constitution w- was alluding to, right? Like the Constitution Bill of Rights, those are documents that absolutely can be trampled on at any point in time because they're just a document. But what they refer back to in every single case is that there are inherent God-given rights. So the system recognizes that there are rights inherent to our being, that we are free, not because the government says so, but because we are free. Like we are inherently free by virtue of existing. And the system recognizes that. And the more people can be empowered to understand that, then they understand how to, at least at the foundation, navigate when approaching the system, right? And that's where it's like, uh, I guess common law comes into play in that perspective of submitting notices of conditional acceptance, notice of liability, standing as I am a man and man by virtue of existing is free. And like if you look up the definition of a person in Black's Law Dictionary, which is the dictionary that all of our legal systems use to apply definitions to anything, the definition of a person is uh, discussing our corporate fictitious entity not actually who we are, not the man or the woman. It's the corporate fictitious entity that is assigned to us by government. So if we give people to understand that, like, I am not, I'm not free because the government says so, and it's not something that I need to ask the government for permission of, but I'm free by virtue of existing. And the government recognizes that, that we have God given inalienable rights that we are fundamentally free that shift in perception is so important for people to understand, but then there's deeper elements to that where it's like free by virtue of existing consciousness. First off, we are all one being, right? We are all one being, uh, expressing itself in an infinite number of unique ways. And if you're a Christian listening to this, you could say that we are all, uh, we all have the Holy spirit inside of us. We are all like fundamentally an aspect of God. God created us and we have God in us. Right. Um, And in that, the creative force that existed and created all things dwells within us, and that creative force is fundamentally free. And when people understand that freedom is an aspect of who they are, they will no longer fear the potential consequences of living and carrying out that freedom. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, the way that I interpret that or can like, let's say my own life is maybe the example is like, okay, it's as simple as if someone is telling me to do something. Like the only way that I do it is by me choosing to do it. Something like that's basic example is like, And I think there are extremes because people like to bring in like historical examples where people were like severely, like literally, like let's say slavery or something. And that's a whole different thing. But let's say for now today is like, I literally just do, I can do what I want to do. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to explain other than that. Like if there's free will, like if I actually do not want to do something, I don't have to do it. And the things keeping me in are really just... Okay, I need to Your make own, money. And you, yes, yeah, yes. but those are all like you
1: can well, work. And even with- when it comes, I'm I'm thoroughly convinced that even when it comes to, and this is like a more esoteric, uh, metaphysical notion, but I and I truly think that this is true. I think that the nefarious actors behind this whole thing at the very tippy top know and honor free will because if they infringe upon free will, they uh, accumulate karmic debt in many ways, right? That's how I perceive it. And if anyone thinks I'm wrong on that, that's totally fine. But this is my perception and I'm on your show. So I'm, I'm going to share. So <laughs> I think that at the very tippy top, like I said, that they are fully aware of the karmic debt associated with forcing anyone to do anything against their own free will, right? Which is why so many of the things that are happening right now are a function of us consenting to them giving away our own ability to, to say yes or no, and not understanding that again, we are free and the choice is ours. So we're, we're being conditioned to think that they are forcing us to do things. And yes, they're making things more difficult, right. But it is still our choice individually and collectively. Cause like, again, if we all collectively had the same mindset of understanding that we are free by virtue of existing and stopped, you know, all like in mass petitioning the government, like, or petitioning our job, like, no, you can't do this. And all of us just recognize like, no, I'm free right now. I say no to this. Like, or I don't even can, like, there is no yes or no. I'm just like, no, like, like I'm going to be free. I'm not, I'm not uh, choosing non-compliance here. It's that I am free. And because I am free, I'm going to continue to be free. And if everyone adopted that same mindset right now, the system would crash as is like the system would crumble. And that's what I said in LA, not to go off on a tangent, but this is an important piece. Cause I spoke in front of 10 to 12,000 firefighters, police officers, uh, people who work for the city, um, uh, frontline healthcare workers in LA. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to say to 10 to 12,000 people that are about to lose their job? And I truly believe this. And this is what I said. I, I said essentially that like Either we will force the system to change by overwhelming it, like the system as is, is going to crumble. And that that will come by either us overwhelming the system and forcing it to change because we're all standing as free people now, or the system kicks us out again for standing as free people now. And then we go create new systems that again, force that old one to change. Cause it's like, fuck, like that system's mm-hmm. way better and it's thriving. If we want to keep up with them, we have to change. So either way, the system as it is, is going to crumble. Um, and it will be really, really, really hard. And that's like going back to the, the example with a symposium that like unknown period of 12 hours where I didn't sleep. That was really, really, really difficult. Not sure what's going to happen the next day. That was some tough shit. Right. And I, I don't want to, discount any, or like even try to say that like that 12 hour period, it fully relates to someone who is a mother of four that's about to lose their job. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that when society is rejecting us, if we just continue to stand as free people, I don't want free men and women right now, the back end of that is unbelievably beautiful beyond what you could possibly imagine. And that's how day two was for the symposium. I just trusted that Okay. Despite society rejecting us and kicking us out and not knowing where to turn, everything will be well and we will be okay as long as we continue to just stand as freedom and welcome all who are also doing the same. And it was freaking beautiful. And I think that's the same thing that's coming for all the people who are being rejected by their job or kicked out or terminated or put on administrative leave, anything like that. We're we're forcing the system to change, and we're just on the precipice of that transition right now.
0: Yeah, I. The piece about, and actually this, this just made a few things click for me. I love this. The idea that there's these like people at the top, right? Whatever those people are, that they understand this concept of, of free will. And a lot of what's happening now is we're, we're all just enforcing it on each other. Like the number of sets on like, like film sets I've been to where, they have, there's, you have to have a COVID compliance officer and pay someone to come in and test everyone and enforce all these rules. And we, as like the organization that is having a, a shoot, we are, there's no, there's no police officer. The CDC is not here. Like we're literally enforcing it on each other. Yeah. And it's such like, just to have that click, to be like, it it's. The the conditioning and the propaganda and all these stories and beliefs that are forced onto people, but which they accept, are built so that we just enforce it on each other. So all the tyrant (laughs) yes, all the tyrant has to do is hop onto the TV show, get into office, just put streams of information out of whatever they would like to happen and the people who don't know any better or disempowered, whatever, will do all the work for them because they're afraid of something that isn't actually real. And so it's like, if you step into that embodiment of I am free, you literally cannot fucking tell me what to do because I'm in charge of this sack of skin that holds my being. (sighs) What the fuck are you going to do? Like, you can't. And
1: exactly,
0: it's like, that's why it's so frustrating, though, because I'm Standing on the set and I'm like, oh my God, like we're just choosing this bullshit. Like we are and yeah. we, and people are doing it because they think it's the right thing to do. And there's this piece of it that involves like performativeness and cancel culture. Like I see all of that is what yeah. led us into where we are now is people. Virtue so, signaling. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it's like a leader is just like, yeah, I just, I just, I want to do the right thing. Like, I just want to follow the rules, yeah. whatever. And it's like. But do you actually like if you didn't if you weren't so concerned with being viewed as like good or right or yes, good job, then what would you be doing? It's like I think when you ask people that they would change because they'd be like, oh, if I'm not concerned with my friends liking me or my my job thinking that I'm a good person, then you'd probably shift and actually think about things and be like, actually, fuck that rule. That is literally dumb. Like we're all just pretending to do it for whatever reason.
1: 100%.
0: It's so frustrating, but like it's it's also so clear. And I think the the other interesting piece of it is we kind of talked about this beginning like respecting where people are on their path and just like not it's so hard like I'm not really that good at this. I try, but like you have to let people come to that realization and it's so hard because we're like we want to you know we have this awakening we like inquire within and we do all these amazing things and we improve our own life so we're like okay everybody else should hear this but to me that actually goes against the core like principle of what happened to you is that you can't like you can't fix blind trust by just new blind trust to another thing. No,
1: it's like, it, it's an inward process. It's it, it, it has to happen inside of you. You can't I forget who said this, but it's like truth can't be discovered. It can only be known, or it can't be learned. It can only be known, right? You have to like know and feel it yourself, and that's why like I'm so big on turning people back to their own observations and experiences cuz that's where it starts when they're back in their body like realizing like oh what's happening here is not what is ha- being told on whoa this is weird this the tv what it's saying what the computer's saying what my phone is saying is completely different than what i'm actually experiencing in real time right now why is that because then that starts them on the journey back home, the journey back to self, the journey back inward is, is at first understanding that, oh, I have these observations and experiences on the surface that are completely different. Cause there's like layers, right? Like there's the true, like inward, like inside yourself journey where you're sitting and meditating and you're, you know, like for some people, they go spend all their time in a cave and that's all they do for the rest of their life. That's like really inside the self, right? The individuated portion portion of the universal self. Um, but then above that is like just the actual experiential observations and, and like actual lived experiences with your senses. And then now because of this digital reality we're in, there's a level above that. And the level above that is the contrived version of reality that is painted by media, that is painted, painted by tech companies, that is painted by government through the rectangles in our homes, the, the phones, the computers, the TVs. And then what makes it worse is because we've discount completely disconnected ourselves, or at least covered up those bottom two layers, the real ones, like the real actual lived reality. And then the inward experience, the inner experience, we've covered ourselves, covered those up to where we don't even realize we have them. Then we start projecting where, the things that we see in on the TV, we actually trick ourselves into thinking we're seeing in reality, right? Where it's like, if we see on the TV, Oh, millions of people are dropping in the streets or that's how it's, what it's conditioning us to believe. Then we will go out and start looking for signs to reaffirm the the truth of that until we get back to understanding that like, Oh my God, this reality that's being painted for us is not, true reality reality's here right now with what i'm feeling sensing seeing hearing like this is this is reality okay this is different than what the tv is trying to paint and then that starts that journey back home that's why it's so important to turn people back to their own observations and experiences because that starts the journey back home
0: yeah yeah exactly which is a double-edged sword because I think that's why people are very resistant to that because it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and be like what am I like what do I think what do I actually think and a lot of that involves coming to terms with like you know the your responsibility in relationships like who you are as as a a, a sister a a girlfriend a, a coworker like you have to actually then take ownership of your interactions with other people and, and, and like literally what is, what you perceive as making up who you are and it's really uncomfortable. And the easier thing is to just like pick the label, pick the group and like hop in and be like, cool, you guys all like this and are praising me for like posting certain things. So I'm going to just do that. And it's like, how do you, that's why I think I, I try to like respect the, because you know, you've been through this, I've had this own experience where it takes a lot to Uh, to 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 let go of your perceptions it's a lot like it's no small thing and that's why I think you have to like keep reminding yourself okay I know that this is from a good place but from my own experience I have to let I have to a understand what I'm asking of someone I think that's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing is like you're asking someone to change the way they view the world and that's really uncomfortable because then not everybody wants to admit like there's a possibility that there's bad people or that people have bad intentions or that this level of evil is even possible because, Oh my
1: God. Yeah. That's too much for so many people. It's a face. lot.
0: It's a lot. And even like, there's this idea that, um, I realized, so I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. He was actually a big part of like my awakening, whatever you want to call it. When I began questioning things. Um, cause I noticed the media didn't like him. So I was like, I'm going to read into this guy and see what's oh, up with yeah, that. I
1: see what this dude's about.
0: Yeah, Um, but so he talks about, and Alan Watts talks about this too, like coming, like basically facing your dark side and -hmm. like understanding that you actually have the capacity for evil, like to be, to, to hurt others. Like you have that within you. And I think a lot of people are also in denial of that being a real thing. And because they've been either like told they're a good person or they're getting praised and approved because of whatever like, kind of costume they've put on that Mm. the idea that they could possibly be capable of bad is not they're not thinking about that and so I actually think if you admit that like we're very capable of doing bad things and we know that because when we were kids we like accidentally hurt someone or we didn't share it like it's simple things that you can see you're capable of it well also
1: like that's the other piece too is part of facing your shadow is being able to actually go back and look at all the harm you had caused to other people and acknowledge it, right. And make amends and make amends where necessary, right. Like that's, that's a piece that many people can't do because they like to go with the surface level facade, um, of, I am a virtuous person person because of, I've been, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z things confirm it. These, these worldly things, they don't have the, they haven't gone to look at their own shadow and acknowledge and accept it. Right. First acknowledge, then, then accept that's where they are. And those are the things that happened. Um, but, but go to the depth of who and what they are and, and determine their own inner process. Like that is, that is way too hard for some people to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And then I think what happens is if you do that, then, so that, journey is kind of what started to put pieces together for me about this idea of oneness, which I think in the brief five minutes we talked at the event, um, I was like, so I started discovering oneness and this is how I discovered. <laughs> and so, but anyway, my point is when you come to terms with like understanding the full spectrum of who you are and, and all those things, then I think you learn that What you're going through and all these things that are happening in you and your capacity to hurt someone without meaning to is the same thing in everybody else. And like we, it's like that idea of mirror projection, like you might've actually just been projecting your insecurity, your trauma, whatever it is onto the other person. And when you can understand that a lot of that stemmed from what's happening in you, that yeah. for me kind of taught me this idea of like, oh, we're actually all really similar and we're all going through, like, I don't really know how to verbally explain oneness and I'm not really that like, uh, um, I don't like understand it fully. I've just kind of now have been, start, I started to read blog one. I'm like, does, I don't think I know, this is like, how do you even put it into words? Like, it's more of a feeling. I think it's a feeling really. It is. Um, But so... I'm really curious how you, um, I know you're really big into, into law of one and I, you can kind of tell just even, uh, if you just read any of your work or just the things that you talk about, it's like, there's this underlying concept of like oneness and unity. And I'm really curious how you see law of one. And for people who don't, who don't know law of one is, I again, don't even know how to begin describing it. i yeah please, please, yeah. yeah. please explain law of one and then how you kind of, oops. Oh, hold on one second.
1: You're good. You're good. That happens to me all the time too. And that's why I haven't been using my Canon camera. Shit. You're good. You're good.
0: <laughs> okay. I had a feeling it was gonna, it was gonna, the battery's gonna overheat or whatever. Okay. You can use see a Canon too.
1: Cause I right now I'm using my computer camera and then I have a Canon above it.
0: It's a Sony. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, like, you, like a with,
1: streaming thing.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's like cam yeah. link thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I had mine cut out in the middle of my interview with Paul Saldino. So it's all good. Oh,
0: well, we're just um, going to this softer version. It's all good.
1: All good. It's all good. Um,
0: okay. Yes. Yeah, so if you can kind of explain law of one in a however is most understandable and how you kind of relate those teachings to what's going on now? Cause I think there's an interesting like intersection as uh, yeah. it relates to service to self service to others and how that's kind of all happening now.
1: Yep. Uh, so the law of one is a, um, channeled material and for anyone who doesn't know what channeling is. It's the, uh, the supposed ability to, um, go into a deep meditative state or a trance like state um, and have a being of another realm or maybe, maybe an angelic being or beings from other worlds or a higher spiritual entity communicate through you. So the law of one, um, the, the being that is being channeled is named Ra, and Ra is what's called a social memory complex as described by the material, which means that it's, Multiple beings of higher densities, and densities is like levels of consciousness, essentially, um, along like like our life path. So these beings are, let's say, billions of years advanced spiritually than what where we are right now, and they are uh, combined. Like multiple beings are have their thoughts unified into one being that is represented by the name Ra, and Ra is communicating through a person who's named Carla. Um, and Carla, so she's the one who's in the deep trance state. And then there's a guy named Don who is asking the being through Carla questions, right. That, that she then answers. And then there's a scribe named Jim McCarthy and the whole premise of the law of one is that all things in the universe, every single thing stems from the one source and all things are inextricably linked and, and, uh, and interconnected and all fundamentally one thing just in an individuated variation of the one thing right and what it describes us as human beings we're in what's known as third density consciousness and when we incarnate into our bodies like like our individuated portion of source our soul right incarnates into these like flesh what did you call them again flesh bags
0: <laughs> I think bags I called it a, yeah a bag of skin. <laughs>
1: Our bag of skin, when we incarnate into this bag of skin, I'm, oh my God, I really (laughs) like that. And I also hate it at the same time. When we incarnate into this bag of skin, uh, we undergo a forgetting process of who and what we are. And what I mean by that is we don't have the full understanding that we are, you know, all fundamentally one being that is experiencing itself in an infinite number of unique ways for the purpose of soul growth. And we go through that forgetting process actually to help the one source, which we all are, individuated portions of, expand itself. And how that works is because we undergo the forgetting process and we have free will and we don't remember that we are all fundamentally one thing, then we are more authentically able to choose our day-to-day I mean, literally every choice in our life, right? Because if we were born with the full understanding of who and what we are, we would never make a decision that would impose upon another because that other is fundamentally not other. It is just another aspect of us. So if we are causing harm to or manipulating or being deceitful, we're actually only harming ourselves in the process. And if we understood that, then we would never do those things. So we don't, we are born under that veil of forgetting, and then we are given free will right? Free will to, to make every single choice for ourselves. And so there's a spectrum of, of, so I guess the two polarities are service to other, which is the positive path. And then there's service to self, which is the negative path. And then there's a big spectrum in between, right? And so the service to other path. Um, and each each choice in and of itself is a choice uh, along that spectrum, right? Like each and every choice that we make, each interaction is a choice is, a, is an interaction along that spectrum that exists in, in this life. The service to other path looks at um, looks at each individual not as other, and you are more inclined to serve them out of the goodness of your heart, out of authentic intentions of your heart, because you recognize them not as other but as another, as an aspect of you. Right. So, um, it's kind of like what, what Jesus said that, uh, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Like you can reframe that into a law of one way of, of saying like, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning that like they are another aspect of the self just as you are as the universal self of consciousness, universe, God, whatever you want to call it. So you love them as yourself. So you, actually want to serve them out of the goodness of your heart, because you recognize that they are not other. They're fundamentally you. Then there's a service to self path, which still fits in the framework of universal consciousness because of this. And this is, this is the best, the best thing that I've heard to describe how evil exists with an all loving God, with an all loving uh, source, right? Because on a service to self path, you are viewing other as separate of you. You have this false perception that these other people, other things, the environment, animals, whatever, literally everything else is separate of you. So you are willing to do whatever you can to serve yourself, meaning that you will use them. You will abuse them as long as it is serving self. And in that process, you are still serving an aspect of the creator because you are serving yourself and you are fundamentally an aspect of the creator, but you're only serving yourself at the expense of others. It's still serving God. It is still serving the creator. It's just, an, you're only serving one portion of it while infringing upon the rest of it. Right. Or, or while using and abusing the rest of it or manipulating the rest of it. And raw lays out, um, of course, cause human beings have to know, uh, from a percentage perspective, like, okay, if like, if I let me back up actually, so you can advance on the positive path, like advance spiritually, like go to higher realms of consciousness on the positive path or on the negative path. So you can advance spiritually on the negative path. And going back to what I was saying, human beings, of course, have to like break it down in terms of like data and percentages. So the dude asking Don, asking the channeler, the question, um, or ask the question, what percentage do you need to be service to other? Cause like I said, there's a spectrum. What percentage do you need to be service or let's say you service to self first, what percentage do you need to be service to self in order to advance on the negative path? And raw gives a figure of, you need to be 95% service to self in order to advance on the negative path. Meaning that you have to be a dark, dark, dark motherfucker, for lack of a better term, who's willing to literally, you know, commit mass genocide uh, manipulate the shit out of people. And then there's a piece of this that is so important that Ross says in order to advance on the negative path and do so more efficiently in order and to achieve less karmic debt, you manipulate other people into thinking that they are doing something that is good, that ultimately serves you selfishly, right? So you're manipulating other people in mass to think that they are doing something good so that they can send to it by their own free will but it's actually harming them and you're essentially siphoning off that negative energy or like they're harming themselves and you're getting money off of it perpetually because it is very self-serving. That's the way to do to advance on the negative path more efficiently, because then you are not infringing upon their free will and committing something against them karmically. You're doing it where you're tricking them to do it to themselves that is serving you ultimately. So when it comes to the negative path, I like to think of, Um, you know, I'll let people decide for themselves, but what's, what's going on with COVID sounds eerily similar to that, where we have these people at the tippy top who are tricking people into doing, and in many cases admitting what they're doing, like, Hey, if we continue down this path and we do these things, we will decrease our population, like straight up saying it right. Um, are tricking people into doing these things by their own free will, ultimately serving that person or that person's organization or uh, darker forces, if you will, more in the process. And they've been tricked into thinking that it's best for them to do so. So that that relates to this situation quite a bit. The other way that this relates to this situation on the flip side of things is uh, they also ask Ra what percentage you need to be serviced to other in order to advance on the positive polarity, like advance on that path in future lifetimes. Um, and Ra gives a figure that is that is so interesting to me 51% service to other, 49% service to self, which strikes me as balance, right? So it's it's balancing out that like in this lifetime, I am serving other people, but I'm also not doing that at the expense of self. So for example, you, you could advance positively on the positive path if you were 95% service to other and only 5% service to self in that case, you're probably making yourself a martyr, giving everything away to other people, letting people step all over you, taking 10 injections just to, because you're willing to serve other people where 51% service to other 49% service to self says, I will not allow you to impose your will upon me. I am still going to express freely and enjoy this lifetime and, 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 you know, um, live it fully but I'm also going to serve other people in the process and ensure that they have the right to do the same. So that's, that's the positive polarity or that's the percentage required to advance on the positive path. According to Ra.
0: Yeah. That's a really good explanation. Probably one of the better ones, because I it's, it's really, I think the piece of like, there's this aspect of, I guess the easiest way is like, oh, if you are taking care of yourself, that that can at first be viewed as selfish. And I always kind of view that as like, if you are taking care of yourself and filling your cup, let's just say that I think that that then makes it so that when you serve others, you can do it from a better place. And so I like to balance it and say like, to me, there is a piece of, if you actually want to serve others in a meaningful way beyond, like you said, being like a martyr or just like becoming this blob of, yeah, whatever. I just don't want to hurt anyone, whatever. So you just do anything. The balance is you, you do need to quote unquote, serve yourself sometimes, which really just means maybe it's literally just eat well, be well, sleep well, all these things. And if one of those things doesn't include following this rule or law or or this health decision that someone is pushing upon you, if you saying yes to that thing is going to cause an an unalignment within you that then when you're interacting with others, you've built resentment or some type of negative emotion that's kept in your body, you're actually going to hurt more people in the end because you've you're like not taking care of yourself and i think that's the easiest way to understand why i think some people try to argue like oh if if this is about love and freedom like why why can't why why isn't it like doing your duty to get this thing or to follow this this rule and i view that as like well because if you're doing it for the reason of like just falling in line, but then you're going to be resentful and angry and you're doing something inauthentic to you, you're doing a disservice to everybody else anyway, because you're exactly
1: and that's without even getting into, is it actually doing this? Like, is doing this thing actually fundamentally an act of love for other people? Because no, because I go back to, again, what the negative path does with the like fully polarized negative beings do is they trick people into doing things that are probably not good for them, but they think is good for them for their own selfish gain at the detriment of those people.
0: Mm.
1: And that's literally what's happening. And All the evidence points to that too. Like all yeah. of the evidence, like, and that's where it's tough. Cause I always go back to, I don't, I've had experiences that have shown me and sorry, I have like a light on my face because okay. is. Right it's fitting. But, we started
0: talking about law of one light and love is going to, no. it's going to get in here.
1: <laughs> do like some sun gazing while I, while I talk with you. Um, but it, 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 I have the experience. I have the understanding to know that like I've seen the harmful effects of for, like blindly trusting medical doctors. I've been manipulated. I've been gaslighted. I know what that feels like. I've seen the the power of, of natural health. I've done the work to heal my childhood trauma And a lot of people haven't had those four things happen to them or one or any of those four things, or maybe they have and just in this life, they just cannot see. And ultimately that's what I have to default back to is, is compassion for them because they cannot see because they haven't had those experiences. So they do, they are the ones who, and there will be people who inevitably get tricked into thinking that they are doing something that is for their own good, but are doing something that is so detrimental to them and is actually helping these these negative entities
0: yeah yeah that's the piece that it it kind of makes it make sense in a way like I get why people it's like it's it's like I don't know I try to find ways to be a bit more calm and less stressed out about the state of the world let's say and i try to remember like there's this balance and there's this ceasing of control to understand mm-hmm. that it is actually all there's a balance i don't know like you have to have good and bad like you have, you have to have both you, you have, have to, have, to have it that's the whole it's ultimately
1: for us it's only ultimately like so if you think about it again from like the law of one perspective right For us, for for the purpose of of the total soul, source, consciousness, God, like growth of that, us as individuated portions of that, we come here, like I said, through the forgetting process. We're offered the spectrum. We see the depths of evil. We see it clearly. And because we can see that so clearly, we can also know the depth and and the uh, richness of, of love. And like we see the the, the polarity and the spectrum, and the two polarities and the spectrum in between, and we can more authentically make a soul choice. We need those elements of darkness to exist so that we can see the full spectrum of choices available and make a more authentic choice for ourselves. And some people will choose the dark path. That's like some people will choose the ninety-five percent dark path where they're literally like beating the shit out of people, but they play a role it's not excusing them or like saying like, Oh, it's okay that they're, you know, committing genocide against millions of people or what Hitler did or any of that. Like not, that's right. not excusing any of it. It's that we need to be offered that perspective so that we can see the spectrum of it all so that we can make a more authentic choice for our own souls. We need that peace.
0: Yes, totally. And I mean, in your own life, think about you as growing up, went through a lot of trauma and hardship, but that made like that is now the cause for like your incredible story of healing your trauma and now who you are today like it's because of all those things and it's hard for people to express gratitude for the hardship but i think doing that is what shows you like this is what makes you like this is the thing that allows you to learn these opportunities like if nothing difficult ever happened you just you would miss out on all these lessons like you wouldn't be yeah, literally yeah. who you are today like it actually can't be anything other than balanced and perfect like amen you got here somehow and yes like a lot of bad things and tragedy may you might have gone through and you may still go through but again we don't know good without bad so you yeah. have to like i think it's like like you're saying it doesn't excuse it but it more makes it easier to come to terms with reality and what is. Yes. And if you can acknowledge it and accept it, then you can say, okay, what am I going to do now? Like this exists.
1: And tying that back, right? What was the thing that I said is best? the best way to approach another person, right? Mm. Is acceptance and understanding, having understanding of where they're at and accepting where they're at. And then you can approach them more effectively to help them see. Yeah. Like that's what it starts with. Like, I think on all fronts, it's like accepting that this is the reality of the situation, accepting that the darkness exists, accepting the shit that you've done to yourself. It's acceptance of all of it. It's understanding and acceptance. And then after you fully accept that this is where it is, you can begin to move forward in a way that is not that you can acknowledge that that exists. You can acknowledge where, where people are the way that they are. And then you can more authentically proceed forward.
0: Yeah exactly and even using that mindset and like strategy if you will when you're talking to someone let's say with disagreement right um i realize that the biggest i think people go into conversations and they're like okay i know better i've had this experience i'm happy i'm healthy so i need to tell this person what i'm doing because blah blah, blah. or maybe yeah. it's a political spe- perspective And we go into the conversation thinking, I need to change their mind. I need to tell them why they're wrong. And you go into it being like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but let me just tell you a bunch of stuff of my own perspective. Instead of if you create the space for someone to feel seen and heard (laughs) and validated, they are way more likely to listen and be open because the problem is you're like, if you go into a conversation with the goal is I need to tell this person what I think I need to change their mind. You're communicating to that person verbally and non-verbally that their value in a way is based on like these thoughts and their perspectives and, and, and what they believe. And so if you can show someone actually I accept you as you are. Tell me more about this thing. Like, I would love to know how this is your perspective in your life experience. Because of course we're not thinking the same because you have different life experience. So tell me about that. I want to know. And you yeah. create this like safe environment, safe environment that lets the person be like, Oh, like I can just tell you what I'm thinking. And there's no like ulterior motive where you're trying to manipulate me and change my mind uh. because I'm so used to that. Right. And then by acknowledging like you are you're just the way that you are. And that's fine. Like, I don't, I'm not going to question your goodness. Let's say just in most cases, depending on this belief you have. And that actually in a weird reverse psychology way makes it more likely that a person will be open to hearing your side of things because you Amen. showed them, you showed them, Oh, it's okay. Like, you, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to tell you you're not worthy or that you can't sit at the table because you have this different idea. I'm telling you that's okay. And then Amen. people actually end up changing their minds th- through that strategy. Amen. If that's your goal.
1: Exactly. I don't think I need to even say anything. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it all ties together. Like, I honestly am so grateful for COVID and all this shit, man, because like the amount of clarity and purpose and like things, light bulbs, things clicking for me that came together is incredible and would not have happened without this. And I think like, it's exciting. Like we're getting, we're experiencing the biggest awakening of our time. Like that is fucking cool. And it started because we came to terms with it and we're learning all these things that are actually just truths that live within ourselves. Like it was already there, which is the Amen. coming home thing, right? It's like you, you had to forget because you were meant to find it again. Like you can't find yourself if you weren't lost, right? Like the idea uh, yes, was already exactly.
1: there. Well, I even think about that, like on our, our souls coming here, like how fucking cool it is that so many of us are authentically like making the choice to go back home, like to go back, like turn back towards source. Like we have all these odds, if you will, stacked against us, like so much negativity and bullshit and division and disease and distractions and perpetual fear. And just dis- actually, no, not despite because all of that. And even again, going back to the law of one, the law of one backs that up. The more trauma, the more catalyst or opportunity to polarize one way or the other. Like that's what they always refer to as catalyst. And they say that extremely traumatic experiences are the largest catalyst and it's catalyst for you to go this way or catalyst for you to go that way. And we're getting increasing amounts of trauma and catalyst, which is why there seems to be a split happening more and more in society because people are polarizing one way or the other, more and more one way or the other and this like large group here of indifference that is in this like apathetic state, not wanting to speak, not wanting to make a decision, kind of riding both sides of the fence, they're going to be faced with more and more situations where they have to choose one or the other. And that's what's happening to a lot of people right now. And that's why we see more and more people who were on the fence starting to speak out because more and more things are happening to slowly that are traumatizing to them that are forcing them to speak. And it, I mean, shit, it is a beautiful thing to witness so many people because of all of those traumatic experiences turn back home and start remembering that forgetting that we underwent. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, like just uh, it's dope. Like I I just feel so. And it was for me after the event, it was really the past month has been so much gratitude for all the bullshit. I like to call it fuckery, too. It's like, honestly, thank you. Like, fucking bring it on. Because the more like you're faced with it, then it's like another lesson learned, another opportunity to show up, another chance. Like you're Jocko Willink, he puts it perfectly. Every time something bad happens, he just says good. And so it's like, okay, your job is telling you this bullshit thing. Fucking good. Use that as an opportunity to speak up about something and get on a phone get on the phone with your manager, or CEO and tell them how what you think. Yeah. Good. Fucking do it. Like shit's going down, fucking show up. Like that's your chance. Like if you don't have it, you're going to stay the same. You're going to stay in the state of comfort and fluff that is not going to get you anywhere. Unless that's what you want to do, then fine. But like if you're faced with those things, there is always a silver lining and like a gratitude to be had for it.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah. And so in terms of solutions, we love solutions. What do you think, let's say someone listening today, they're like maybe kind of far from embodying and understanding the stuff we're talking about in this mindset or, or being kind of like solutions oriented. What would you recommend someone to, do or just a starting place in feeling maybe helpless or they want to they want to do something about what's going on whether it's covid related or anything else in their life really but maybe more closely covid related cuz that's kind of the situation so
1: first thing and this doesn't even have to be like a spiritual thing in the sense of like if you're a christian if you're a muslim if you're like jewish this is still an action that you can do that is best for you as a human being. It's good for your health. And that is meditate. I think meditation for me, it is a very spiritual thing, but it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. You can reframe it as uh, this is a, a thing that is grounding me, recentering me. That is, you know, making me more present that is making me stop worrying about the past or being anxious for the future. This is grounding me right here, right now. And I think meditation is one of the best tools and teachers and then also prayer along with that right i think prayer is like i think meditation is you are receiving and and prayer is you are you are like giving or asking or communicating back to to source to god to consciousness whatever you want to call it um i think both are so unbelievably important for everyone right now regardless of spiritual or religious per, uh, preference um but other solutions oriented things like I'm assuming nearly all the people who listen to this podcast will already be seeking in the direction of these things anyway. Uh, So I I feel like I don't need to, I I feel like I can easily say that it's clear that the system, the overarching system is trying in every way possible to control us and to make us reliant on it. So what is the best thing we can do in response? Again, it's not to force the system to try to understand that the system is wrong. Like it's not trying to like get the system to recognize and acknowledge that it is wrong for doing the exact same thing that the system was designed to do, which was continually divide, exploit, cause harm, uh, and control us. Like that's, and that's my perspective. So the thing to do is instead just turn your back to the system in as many ways as you possibly can. And it's a process and it's going to be an individual thing for each person. because I mean, if you're a mom who works a government job or you're a dad who's a major in the army and you've served for 14 years and you have five kids and a wife and you're waiting for your retirement, that's a tough decision to make. And, but, but everyone needs to start doing things to where they're setting themselves up to be self reliant outside the system. And that for, for me looks like growing my own food, beginning to grow my own food, supporting local farmers, um, getting my assets into land as much as I can. I know a lot of people don't have the financial means to do so, but cryptocurrency here and there. And there's, you know, a lot of, that's a whole, that could be five <laughs> podcast episodes. <laughs> Real quick. I do think that like 99% of coins are like co-opted by nefarious actors. Really? Um, but I would say, yeah, I I, th- I think a lot of them are, but I would say 1% and the technology in and of itself is not bad. And th- there's 1% of coins that are, that are not co-opted by, negative actors but but the technology is just a technology it's neither good nor bad it's all about the context in which it's used and uh blockchain technology technology can be used for very very good things and and really aid us in decentralizing our our lives from the system um it looks like if you have kids and you know you're uh You don't want to put them in public school anymore. Yeah, you shouldn't even before COVID, like public school is absolute dog shit. So like start forming local homeschool co-ops. It doesn't have to be that you by yourself homeschool your kids. Um, You can do that with a community of people just pull multiple people out of I, I know, I know, like we found one in Kansas that has 600 families who have pulled their kids out of public schools and they're starting like homeschool co-ops. So wow. it exists with 600 families in Kansas where like no one lives here. And I'm sure it exists in places like California. I know for sure it does. Cause in San Francisco, I know that there's entire communities mm. of people that are have pulled teachers out of the school system too, and uh, have like rented out buildings for, for those teachers to teach their children that they pulled out of public schools. Um, starting, starting community gardens, uh, Start take, like taking up a, a a trade that is you know like learning about plumbing maybe if that's something that you're interested in because you know when the, the society collapses it's gonna be like hey dude I have uh, I have fifth or I've I have one whole cow that I'll give you if you come work on my toilet because I have no idea how to do that so like these like very technical uh, skills like become good in those and it's 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 all I'm saying is do whatever you can to make yourself reliant outside the system where you're not uh you know so attached to it where you're forced to do what the system tells you to do.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And there's so much you can do within that. So it's like you, there's little little places to start even if it's just starting with like you said meditation really just gets at like the mindset piece. It's just get yourself cut the, the cord of like you relying on outside sources to tell you what to do and information and what to For believe. self-worth
1: too. For self-worth mm. too because that's another way of disconnecting from the system with meditation. You're not relying on these external things to validate you anymore.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yes, so important. Yeah. There's a lot you can do. There's many reasons to be helpful. Um This was incredible I really really enjoyed this conversation so much I feel very fired up um, and I'm so so grateful to you I'm very thankful I admire your work a lot I um it's just it's incredible the community you've built this movement whatever you want to call it um, I'm just really thankful that somehow our paths managed to cross and um, this was really really fun and I, I'm going to link everything relevant in the show description. Cause I want people to be able to donate, to buy your dope t-shirts. Like I want people to be able to support you. Um, Thank you. I can probably put your telegram channel in it. Hopefully yeah, I put my
1: telegram. Cause yeah. I, I've, I've been like wanting not to put my Instagram because I feel like every time I've done that, it jinxes. And and what I mean by this is like several times are I've told the host, my Instagram, and they share it with their audience, like a week later I'm deleted. And then their audience is like, we can't find this dude. Where is he? And then they're having to ask me what's happened a few times. And I just like, yeah, it's not even worth sharing okay. my Instagram anymore. So I will, I will. If, it. It. I mean, if you want to do it, share in the show notes. That's totally fine. I just don't know that it'll be the same. Okay. The got it. Do you,
0: is it fine to like, if I'm like post clips and stuff to tag you, or is that dangerous? For sure. No, that's totally fine. totally fine. Okay. 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 Good. Um, Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure for everyone listening, like, please read all the show notes because I'm going to put a bunch of links. Um, I know there's a lot of ways to find you that are difficult <laughs> because you're literally so centered. Um, but we'll, we'll try to help you out there.